Today is Thursday, December 14, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. All right, we talk about Jesus or Paul, whose words are more important. Um, then we talk about evidence of the Bible being true, the historicity of the Bible, the accounts, the writings we have. Um, not, it's not like a, what evidence do you have the Bible is true? But it's, it's more like, um, why should we believe some of the accounts in the Bible? Um, it's kind of, kind of a different angle. Uh, then, mushrooms or Jesus? Someone apparently is a worshiper of psychedelic mushrooms. I'm like, bro, why don't you worship the one who made those mushrooms? He's like, who's that? I'm like, read the Bible. Anyways, uh, then we talk about being unequally yoked, uh, some of the marriage stuff. I uh, get some marriage testimonies and stories from some of the crowd. Um, you know, what does the Bible say? Uh, before marriage, should you be, well, I guess it's kind of in the in the title, unequally yoked? <laughs> no. What happens if uh, you become unequally yoked and someone becomes a different religion or loses a religion while you're married? What should you do? Uh, biblical advice about that and uh, some other small talk and other topics. So check this out. It's a good discussion. Lots of people, lots of banter. Uh, visit the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support this podcast, and you can also check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, How to Have Civil Conversations with People Who Are Not Always So Civil. Until next time, share these links. We'll see you later. Good morning. How's your day going? Hey, the most high woke us all up, man. I ain't complaining at all, brother. How about <laughs> Yep, yep. All good here. We'll see what the day brings us. Anything on your mind? I'm always taking my sister. I mean, taking my sister, taking my daughter to school. Um, we're just listening to some um, some information on from this. They they call Jesus words only. Y'all ever heard of them Christians? No. Hey, pretty good, bro. They, it's a guy. He's a lawyer from I think he's from California. I think that's the main guy. His name Doug. They got a Wait. lot of information, man. I'll be sharing that with Israelites and Christians because of the information. It's, it's, it's edifying information. You know what I'm saying? A lot, and he, and he's a Christian who, like, you know I me, mean? when it comes to Paul, he he thinks the same way I do about Paul, too, about um some of the stuff that he said. Like when Paul in Acts 23, 6, he still said he was a Pharisee. This is well after his conversion. And we know what Christ said about the Pharisees being vipers. So just little stuff like that. That's all I was doing, is this like the denomination, like Jesus words, like where they only take like the words in red in the Bible, and if it if it's not like in red, like Jesus words, like Jesus said it, then they don't really follow it. Well, they actually, he actually believe in the whole Bible. He, he, he like, like me, like y'all know how I feel about Paul, but I'm never gonna tell nobody to take his letters out. It's canonized for a reason. But what, but, but what these, what these Christians look at is like how I look at it. Like Christ is the supreme source in the New Testament. So everything should start with Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like when I hear a lot of Christians and Israelites speak about the faith, they use a lot of Paul writings more than they use Christ. That's just like, that's, that's like one of the issues we be having. Like why do people use Paul instead of going to Christ? Christ got all the answers for sure. We have a commandment from Yahweh to listen to, to Christ. And we and if we don't, we're going to be, um, what do you say? And whoever don't listen, I will require it of them. But when it comes to Paul, I don't find no commandment to follow him. That'd be the only thing. Like when I speak to the Israelites, they'll run to that verse when Christ said um, to the 12 and Paul wasn't there. He said, well, whoever don't listen to you, I'm going to require it or something similar to what the Most High said. But Paul wasn't there for that. Like he wasn't there for Matthew 24 when Christ said that um, when they claim I'm in the desert or claim I'm in the secret precincts and all that type of stuff, 
And them are all the places where Paul say he met Christ. So that 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 be the issues we be having with the situation. One of them. But you know the reason that is, right? Why we take Paul's words, you know, and everyone else at, at the same, just the same as we do Jesus' words, right? You know the reason for that. From what I've read from people who who, who take that stance, they it's a dispensationalism thing. It's like they disregard when Christ was a when he was walking the earth. All them teachings, they like like they said it was flawed a little bit. They say, but when when, the, when this resurrected Christ that Paul met came. It gave mystery revelations and all that. Now, do you believe the same uh, as they do, or do you got a different stance? Yeah, totally different stance. I don't know who those people are. No, because we believe all the, the entire Bible is inspired by God himself. So everything Jesus says is on the same authority as what uh, you know Elijah talks about or what Moses writes. Not because Moses is on the same level as Jesus, because the Holy Spirit of God imparted this information like inspired moses elijah elisha all the prophets to do what they did to say what they said including paul including james including john including peter including uh you know obadiah so all these people are on the same level in scripture as jesus not because they have the same authority as jesus but because the books they wrote are from the direct inspiration of the holy spirit who is god so when you read paul you're reading the inspired word of God, just like when you read the words of Jesus, just like when you read the words of Ezekiel, it's all inspired by the very same God. So that's why. So it doesn't matter if Jesus said it, if Peter said it, if Paul said it, it's all got the same authority as Jesus saying it, because we believe the Holy Spirit inspired the entire Bible, all the scripture. Now, I, I, I've heard that one, I've heard that one um, less than I heard the other ones. I, I kind of, I, I, I'm good with that as far as like when, you say um, everything come from the most high or God. I, I'm with that. But when they come, let me give you an example with Paul. No, like the only time Paul quote Christ in his, in his writing, his Christ is, is when he says that um, he had an angel of Satan dwelling in him, a thorn in his flesh. And his, his Jesus didn't cast that demon out. Now that's contrary to the Jesus Christ. We know who would cast the demon out. He wouldn't leave the demon in Paul. Well, you got to think. You know what I'm talking you're talking about, about the thorn. You talking about the thorn in his side? I mean, that's that's a pretty big leap to say it's a a demon. Like a lot of people think it's like you know some sort of uh, infirmity. Like you know, Paul had eye troubles. Like he was going blind. That yep, was the I heard thorn that. in his side. I heard that. Yep. Or is an actual mm -hmm. like like a physical ailment? Like I've I've rarely heard anyone make the demon case. I don't think that's it at all. Because you know, Peter and Paul and all of them, they specifically you know heal people cast out demons all that stuff but you know there's a lot of places where you, there's only a few places where paul says look you know i'm not saying this as a command from the lord and that's like two things he says uh, about abstinence like you know it's better if you don't marry so you can devote all your time to god he says you know that's not a command from god which means all the other stuff like is a word from the lord that he's passing on but the most important thing i think you would agree i hope you'd agree we'll find out about the entire bible is salvation and eternal life with our creator and that's something that Paul says over and over and over again in Galatians and Ephesians and all of his epistles is not just like, hey, keep these earthly commandments, but the biggest point, which is how you can have eternal life by believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and putting your faith and trust in Jesus, not Paul, but in Jesus. So the biggest point in the entire world, Paul hammers down on over and over and over again. I, I understand where you're coming from. Just let me tell you something else that I, that I tell people when it comes to this Paul thing. Because I used to teach, I thought Paul was on the, in, in my first 11, 12 years in this, I thought Paul was the, 
was um speaking the truth and all that. I'm gonna I'm go back to what we was talking about about that that demon or the, the ailment. Some people say it was like like you say it was an ailment, like it was something maybe um his his sight from when he got blinded and all that. But when you look at the Greek text, it literally say a angelos of Satan. Bring up the first. Let's Satan. go to the let's go to the Greek. I'm, What's that? Verse? I'm driving right now, bro. I'll find I, it. I, I'm driving. Yeah, dang, thanks, bro. Thanks. <laughs> May take me a minute if anyone else wants to. But talk but I time. believe but just, but, uh, just picking back up what you said about that death, burial, resurrection. Paul not wrong about that. I agree with. Now it's a lot of things that Paul say that's edifiable. When I say what I say about Paul, a lot of people say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" I'm not saying throw him out, nothing like that. Because like what you said, he hammers that in all the time. But this is the one thing I bring up to people. Let's say you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but you don't repent. What's gonna happen to you? According to Christ in Luke 13, 3 and 5, if you don't repent of sin. Oh, then you die. Like, eternity in hell awaits you. Sorry, I'm trying to look up this thing, too, at the same time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, my bad, bro. What? Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. You're going you're gonna to perish, because that's what Christ said. So if we just believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that can't be salvation alone, because we would still have to repent of sin, which is obeying the commandments. It's like you got to believe in the death, burial, resurrection, and teachings of Christ. You got to believe in the teachings of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, and you got to obey the commandments for salvation. There's just, uh, if you assume that the Bible is the word of God, then, yeah. Well, the two people discussing this do assume that. I, I mean, I guess, Glenn, do you assume the whole Bible's the word of God like you're like I was saying, or not? I do anyway. I, I take in, it as the word of God. I, I, I believe. The, I believe in the. I believe in the Father in heaven. Um, and what He said. Like when they say the whole Bible is the word of God, it's almost like when when we speaking about the commandments. This, like when I talk to not you, because I know y'all 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 good Trinitarians as far as y'all decorum and respecting people, but the other um, Trinitarians they be saying stuff like uh. Oh, what's going on? Oh, they say stuff like, um, damn, I lost my thought, man. My car got to beep. Oh, the fact that, um, when the father in heaven talking, that's what we're supposed to listen to. Like, you're supposed to start the origin of salvation is the father. Like, I know Christ is like the main part of his plan, but if we not, the only reason why we follow Jesus Christ is because the father told us to. We're not following him to try to use his death, burial, and resurrection for salvation. We follow him to obey the Father in heaven. Because without the Father in heaven saying, obey the prophet like Moses or at the transfiguration or at his baptism, then some people will have an argument like, well, the Father in heaven didn't support this. But we got to, we got the prophecies. We got the Father in heaven speaking. We got witnesses. We got all that. So, like, I believe that we're supposed to obey the commandments and follow Christ because that's what the Father in heaven said. He never told us to follow a whole Bible. I'm not saying throw the Bible out or none of that, but, but I still got my stance on Paul because of all the information that's out there well, about the situation from scripture and history. And we'll go right to you, Stephen, but just to, to tie up this. First of all, um, yeah, this is too hard to do, to have a conversation and look up that other stuff. What I did get was, you know, the stuff that you've already heard. Yeah, I mean, you know, a thorn in my side, a messenger from Satan. So, I mean, the word would be, you know, like you said, like Angelus or whatever. But, I mean, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't rule out that it has to be a literal being 
So if I'm like, um, you know, Lord have mercy. Well, the word I use is going to be Lord. It's going to go back to Jehovah. It's going to be like Yahweh is the word I'm using. But when people just say it like as a slang or something like that, and they're not actually praying for the Lord to have mercy, they're just using his expression. You say, well, the, the word there is actually Yahweh. You're, you're asking Yahweh to have mercy. But it could be like, no, dude, I'm an atheist. I don't believe this stuff. I just said that because it's an expression. So, I mean, even though Paul right. says, you know, this is a messenger from Satan, uh, you know, if it's talking about blindness, uh, that could, I mean, you know, that's one interpretation. Some people, I guess, like you think, that it means there's a literal demon tormenting him. Um, but, you know, I think most of the people fall on the side of, you know, it had to do with his blindness. And then other people will fall on the side of, I think it was like, what, a, a limp or something like that? Um, anyways, but, um, yeah, and then the last thing I was going to say, um, before we see what Stephen had to say, is, you know, in Timothy, it talks about all scriptures, you know, good for reproof and guidance and things like that. So I, I get where, you know, God never says, hey, follow a Bible that's going to be, you know, put together and compiled a couple hundred years from now, or, you know, from the time of writing. I, I mean, I guess, depending when in the Bible you're talking about. Uh, the Pentateuch, whatever, the Bible will be put together in 3,000 years. But um, it doesn't discount it, right? So you can learn. It's not like it's leading you bad to, like, look at the story of Job and think, hey, I can learn a couple things. Like, you know, there's there's not everything that happens in Job's scenario is a command from God. It's largely just a story about how you deal with your suffering and how you don't turn against right. God Edif in it. So, I mean, Edif yeah, it's for edification. Um, so, I mean, the only thing we need to follow, look at Acts 12, 15, 21, I think, where they say, look, for the people who believe, you know, in Christ, who are Christians, death, burial, resurrection in Jesus, it seems like it seems good for the Holy Spirit and us to only do these things, like abstain from sexual immorality, don't drink blood, don't eat food offered to demons, and you will do well. And we're told that the Holy Spirit will lead, live with the believer, the Christian, and guide them into all truth. So as far as following what you really need to follow Yes, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And his commandments are love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And on these hang all the law and all the prophets. So, yeah, but that doesn't mean we should rule out Timothy and be like, well, you know, there's some good lessons here. Or Paul talking about the armor of God. Like, you know, there's not really a command to follow. I mean, unless you want to say put on the armor of God. But it doesn't mean it's not good for edification. But uh, Stephen, I, I said we'll go right to you. What's up, Stephen? Hey, what's up? Um, well, I, I was, um, I, I guess I don't really see the convincing evidence of why, like, the Bible is the word of God. I think, like, a lot of times when I talk to Christians, they, they just start with that assumption, but I never really heard anything that's convincing as to why it's why people believe it's the literal word of, of God. Well, that's quite a topic shift, but um, I, I mean, there's a few different ways. Like, you know, there's not a, a cookie cutter Christian shape. So some people, uh, it's usually people are convinced for an umbrella of reasons, but under that umbrella, you'll find people who, you know, believe history and they believe all these accounts of the resurrection of Christ. And if those accounts are true, you know, by lots of eyewitnesses reported to witness this, you know, something like 500 witnesses and then written by like several different authors. So, I mean, that's more history than we have for, you know, a lot of Attila the Hun, George Washington, stuff like that. So people would say, well, extraordinary claims require or extraordinary evidence. Well, we believe lots of our history based on one or two accounts. Um, the resurrection of Christ and these miracles and the whole thing that followed him through was witnessed by, you know, hundreds of people 
And, you know, over his three and a half years, like there's a ministry, there's lots of miracles too. And there's not one account anywhere. So, so besides the extra amount of witnesses and eyewitness testimony, there's zero accounts of anyone saying, hey, I was there. I saw this was all lies. This was a, a show. Like there's not one refutation of it. The most refutation we have is, you know, other religious leaders, the Pharisees, saying that, well, he was doing this by the work of devil, the devil. So some other supernatural entity. So all around, even the detractors of Jesus are attributing attributing his, his miracles to supernatural powers of evil. So there's no one that refutes Jesus saying on natural grounds, saying, no, no, I saw his followers. I followed them around. I saw what they did. It was all tricks. It was all lies. It was a secret, whatever conspiracy. And that just seems interesting. Like no matter how much someone would have tried to purge that, there would still be something we have found by now. The Dead Sea Scrolls, like yeah, something like that, that would have been a surviving account. So the fact there's none really makes me think it's like an Illuminati level cover up for the world or everyone around really saw it and believed it was either Jesus supernaturally or the few people that said, no, no, it was Beelzebub supernaturally. Um, the last thing I'll say, because I don't mean to talk forever, is for me and most Christians, and that's just natural, you know, you would say natural evidence or accounts, but I believe there is a spiritual connection that when you actually do what the Bible says, what Jesus says, like Gwen was talking earlier, like, you know, follow Christ, do what Christ says. Well, Christ says, repent, believe, right? So if you're, if you're not a Gnostic atheist, if you're not claiming to know that there is no God, which is most people on earth, if you're just like an agnostic atheist and you're like, well, I don't have any evidence, but I don't have any evidence there's not God. So, you know, maybe there is. Like mm -hmm. if you still exercise that little amount of faith, like, well, I don't know there's not. So maybe there is. And then you do what Jesus says, which is humble yourself, pray to him, ask him for forgiveness of things you've done wrong. That's called sin. Um, and ask him to save you and give you eternal life. We believe he will do that. And what usually happens from hearing Christians explain what happens after that is not just like you said it and you really brainwash yourself into believing, but it's like, you know, with this humble humility, like spirit and heart, you, you believe that this could really be, it's like, God, you know, show yourself to me. You say this, you know, I am happy to believe it. Um, mm -hmm. and then there's usually something like for me, um, it was just like the spiritual awareness. It's like an extra sense or something. So not warm, fuzzy goosebumps or anything like that, but it's just like, Hey, you know, if I didn't have a hand and now I have a hand, poof, and I can touch things, I feel that I'm like, wow, that's a new sense. Spiritually speaking, there is some very real moment um, where I'm like, wow, the spiritual stuff really is real. And I really am connected to God um, just by humbling myself and believing and praying to Jesus, just like he says to do and focusing on him, not YouTube debates. Um, anyways. I would say if you wanted evidence, that's the road to go down. Like talking, like listening to more scholars, reading more papers is probably not going to, it's not, not, not the, the way. prescription. I, I agree. Well, I think, um, so Stephen, do you think that you're going to need to intellectually get there or like is a Pat talking to you about like, do you, do you think that's the better roads? I just want to get your thoughts real quick. I, I just, you know, it's just so hard for me. Yeah, I'm like, I, I see man, just generally speaking, as being ridiculously, like, fallible. Like, we can, like, humankind, like, fucks up a lot, you know? So, it's sort of like, I treat it with, like, a lot of uh, skepticism, 
when like this thing that's supposedly the word of God is written down by man, just generally speaking, like if, if it were God, like I wouldn't see any reason why God couldn't like just give us an updated version every year or like, you know, like just one, just one Bible fall from the sky every month. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, here, here's, here's a, uh, just in case you guys have any doubt, here's the, here's my word from, from the sky. You know what I mean? Like not from any man. I don't need a, you don't need printing presses or anything. I will give it to you. You know. Well, well, I, I, mean, I, mean, Nate, I, Nate, I know you're gonna have a good answer. I just want to say one thing. I know you're gonna have a good answer. So, uh, Stephen, the one thing I would suggest is if you want to read Josh McDowell's book, "Evidence That Demands a Verdict." This was a guy who was atheist, went out to prove uh, Christianity was false, and ended up becoming a Christian. So, I think he'd be a good perspective for you to take a look at. I mean, can I? Let me ask you this, like. I could also say like, okay, well, you should read Matt Dillahunte, and like that's that's you know been there, not convinced. Okay, well, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm just saying like he's a situation of the 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 you know the vice versa of someone that tried to prove Christianity and ended up becoming an atheist because of it, right? Like I don't think that either of those experiences prove either thing, right? Well, I mean, I don't but know. They about, can influence. Well, for CEO's point, I don't know if it would necessarily prove anything but i mean you know if you're if you're genuinely questioning this maybe if you read that you're like oh huh, here's a couple points that he makes in his book that i haven't thought of maybe i'll maybe i'll just kick that around a little bit and see what happens so i mean not saying like read this book i mean i haven't read the book but you know not saying read this book and it will change your life but maybe you'll be like oh okay i have a new perspective let me explore that maybe you'll hit a brick wall maybe you're like oh wow god but so yeah i don't know if i'd have a good answer about it earlier but i was going to say if if iPhone and Microsoft got their stuff right the first time, they wouldn't have any updates either. They wouldn't need them. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess you can say the updated, like brother says in chat, the updated version of the Bible, you know, is the 66 canonized books. Well, even um, if, it, but, you know, even if, if you, it isn't updated, like you could still like, just be like, Hey, humankind, I know it's been a while. Here's, here's the same book from the sky. Or like you could like, as like a designer, Right. If you say God is perfect, why why don't we just know the Bible like in our memory from birth? Like we know how to eat, you know. Well, so whether or not That's you believe it, the well, whether or not you believe it, the Bible directly speaks to what you're saying, uh, not in a favorable way. So for for whatever reason, you know, God says we must have faith. No one knows why faith is the currency, uh, but God says, you know, blessed are those people that have faith, and you must have faith to please God. So why he chose that as a currency, I don't know. But everything else he speaks about, like, you know, Jesus, when they say, give us a sign, give us a sign, after he's already giving them signs, he's like, look, the only sign you guys are going to get is I'm going to die and I'm going to rise from the dead. He, he talks about Jonah and how Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. So after he's already been giving them signs, they're like, well, now more, now more, one more, one more. He's like, look, the only sign you're going to get now is I'm going to rise from the dead. How about that? Um, and uh, anyway, so also... When Jesus uh, talks in parables a lot, the disciples are like, hey, why don't you just plainly tell people what you mean? And again, we don't know the motivation or the reason, but Jesus says, you know, it's God's good pleasure. It is the Father's pleasure to keep certain things hidden from some people. And you think, wow, that sounds mean. Why does he do that? We don't know. All we're, all we're told is 
That's why Jesus speaks in parables. So if God goes dropping Bibles out of the sky, um, which, you know, he did at one point, the Ten Commandments. And what happened? Moses broke them. But, um, you know, so if he went dropping updated versions or new versions of the Bible out of the sky and proving he's God, well, then you couldn't have faith. So if God did prove himself in that way, you could never please God. So it's like a catch-22. It's like, great. Now, because God says you must have faith to believe in him, but you can't have faith because you know he exists, congratulations. You now know God exists, but you've made, you're not making him happy. So, so um, anyway, the Bible does speak to those things um, just in kind of a very catch-22 type way. Um, I, will, I will say, you know, I don't want to be like too argumentative here. Um, I want to mention where we agree is I think this idea that you brought up about uh, repenting for your sins, feeling to, to take the time to reflect on what you've done wrong and thinking about how uh, there are powers higher than you and that you should live for a higher purpose. I think that that's an unbelievably good thing. In uh, taking the time to reflect on that and pray on that, I think it's something that atheists don't do enough of. Um, and people that are agnostic, I don't think they do enough of that. Uh, and to, to, you know, to experience, have gratitude for their lives and, and where they are in life. I think that's a great thing. So I just wanted to mention that. Oh, well, cool, thanks. Yeah, um, Stephen, also, I, I, I recommended a book because, like, from a neuroscience perspective, oftentimes we benefit from hearing from people who follow a similar logical process as we do. Um, so that's why I was recommending that. So, like, I don't think Nate or I are looking to be convinced that God isn't real. So, you know, we have read some of those books, but, like, you know, we've landed where we are. And I think we're open-minded in terms of hearing whatever people have to say, but we're not looking to the other side of the equation. And if you are if you are in a place where you're looking to find out what you think the truth is, then reading someone like Josh McDowell, I think to Nate's point, can add a thing or two your, to your life that you might not have considered before. That's all. Thanks. Yeah, always looking to gain new perspectives. Yeah. Appreciate it. When? You got anything else? Maybe you're busy. See you. What's up, man? Driving to work? I'm good. I'm good. And I, um, you know, I was reading today. I'm reading the Bible from the beginning. And I did not realize how cool a dude Esau was. Like, for him to just get forgive Jacob after all Jacob did to him, I was pretty impressed by that. Oh, cool. Let's see. I don't know. You got anything else? Um, I don't this second, but give oh, me good, a minute. Good, someone. <laughs> uh, forgiveness. Right, yeah, yeah, just wanted to shout out. Uh, forgiveness is the best. It's one of the one of the best things you can do is forgive. Bertie, good morning. Are you here Hi. to talk about the Iowa Satanic Temple Monument in the state capitol? 
Is that Yo, what? That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't know about that. <laughs> you didn't? No. I've, okay, so like I got I got married and then right after I got the flu. So I've just been bedridden this entire time. Oh. Uh, I do love that satanic monument. Is it? Are you guys for real? <laughs> I mean, I'm for real. It's there. I don't know if he's for real. He loves it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm for real. I love it. I absolutely oh my love it. <laughs> like, do you love it as like an expression of free speech or an expression because like, you know, those pesky Christians are getting what they deserve. They think they can like hang Ten Commandments and crosses and state monuments. So we're going to get them <laughs> like an eye for eye type thing. Or It's more like, you know, if if you really want your religious uh, ideologies in, you know, public spaces, um, it's like, you know, a fun way of saying, well, if you want it, this is what you're going to get. <laughs> you know what I mean? My, my thought process on that is kind of like God will have the final say. Um, if, I mean, if, if Christians were asked like, Hey, do you want to vote for this to be there? I think most of us, if not all of us, I mean, most of it would be a weird thing, but if all of us were just like, no, then yeah, it'd be voted. No, but like, I don't think we should be having like a major upset about it. It's more of like, we pray to the Lord and he'll deal with it. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a big deal either way. I don't think he's going to like. Well, I'm not. Down. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I'm saying that the Lord will have the final say. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm thinking about it. Like well, I feel I, like I, there's I, a lot of there's a lot of times we try to step into battles that is actually the Lord's to deal with instead of ours. Well, I, I get that. I mean, on the on one hand, yes, I get that. Um, on the other hand, you know, it's still our world that we have to live in for now. So, I mean, I'm, I would say it's not even a free speech issue. I know that's the way it's presented. <laughs> But look at what's done. So first of all, like the Temple of Satan, um, you know, technically they call themselves mm -hmm. a religion because they got it approved with the IRS. So mm -hmm. technically they're a religion because they meet the qualifications, but they're largely atheistic and they're like, no, we're not a religion. But for political sake, uh, yes, we meet the markers and we are technically a religion, but no, we're not a religion. There's no theistic Satan. Um, maybe there's some who believe there is, but largely the temple of Satan is, is not theistic. Is um, atheist. So, yeah, sure. <clears throat> yeah. So it, it's like, well, on a technicality, your whole religious expression is to thumb, like kind of thumb a finger in the eye of people who actually have a religion that they really believe theistically. So it's like, well, if you just want to be like, okay, well, two can play that game, go support some other actual religion who believes what they say theistically and have them do it. Like, I wouldn't love to see like, <clears throat> You know, some other like I, I wouldn't like to see like you know the Hindu chick with like eighty arms in a state capital, but I mean at least there's people who are Hindu who actually believe that religion. Uh, but then also think about what it's depicting. So freedom of religion is not an absolute covered thing. If there are religions that say you must engage in human sacrifice on an altar in the middle of the city, mm -hmm. that's not going to be allowed. So when even if they don't believe it, the Temple of Satan, peace be upon them, the monument to Baphomet. And, you know, the traditional way it's believed is people would actually do human sacrifice to this demon goat lieutenant of Satan. Um, and it got into like, you know, human sacrifice and pedophilia and all this like weird, nasty crap. So it's like whether you believe it or not, that's what it's supporting. So if you actually found a follower of, of Satan or Baphomet who tried to enact the tenets and engage in pedophilia and uh, human sacrifice, that would not be covered under freedom of religion. So it's like. That I think that's a really good case for not allowing it. 
but you know, if you want to allow like an eighty-arm blue chick from Hinduism, then I don't love it, but okay, at least yeah, people can believe that. So the my my thought again is is kind of like I don't think anyone like they're doing it out of mockery, right? Um, and it's just like scripture talks about mockery and like, things like that. Like we'll be mocked. Like that's something that's uh, that's almost like promised to us. Like we're going to be mocked. Um, and again, it goes back to like that's the Lord's prerogative to deal with. Like, I mean, we're just called to to love one another. We're called to preach the gospel, and we're called to repent. Um, and then, I mean, there's a lot a, a lot of other smaller things that are spoken about. But like from my from my current understanding, those are the top things that Jesus um, spoke for us to to do in our faith walk as disciples towards Him, and I think they win if they get like that. Like it, it, it gets boring if no one's going to respond to be like, oh yeah, we, we mocked the Christians. It's like, and we're just like, all right, man, have fun with that. If there's no response, they're just going to dick around and be like, oh shit, well, we just built this whole thing, wasted money and then wasted our time. As opposed to being like, oh, we're all riled up. And it's like, they want the riled up. They're, they're, it's kind of a, mo- a, a means of trolling. And this well, is like a is, troll without so for- it's, it's, well, if, I, if you're, well, if we're saying that 100% of Temple of Satan members, or even like, you know, uh, some group above them or whatever, we're saying that 100% of them do not believe any of this. It's all a giant troll. Um, you know, you make a better point. But just in the interest of odds and never say never, there is probably some people affiliated with the Temple of Satan who um, are very much theistic Satanists, and they do believe in Satan. And I don't know, maybe they do have a black mass and eat babies' brains. I mean, to say like everyone in the entire organization is 100% atheist and doesn't believe any of it. I right. So there, there are a few that are probably like, yeah, I'm just using this as a cover for what I actually do believe or something like that. And that's, you know, I mean, you know, if you want to, I guess, mock my child for believing in Jesus, you know, that may lead to some tough conversations. But if you try to rip their heart out and sacrifice her to Satan, um, you know, I'll probably try to stop that. Right. I guess it's more, it's less like a mockery and it's more just a check and balance of, of like the freedom of religion. Right. I and, do see that. Yeah. And, and we have like Jamesy, who's actually a member of the temple of Satan um, who comes in here often and, you know, he's an atheist, but he also is a Satanist. <laughs> like he, yeah. he says that, and he's a card carrying member of the temple of Satan. And, you know, I totally believe he is what you're talking about. And, you know, he seems like a pretty good guy, and I don't think he's going to try to eat my baby. Um, <laughs> uh, shout out he James. probably won't. It's not but, a 0% chance. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, to say that 100% of the members are like that, that's a stretch. Just like, say, 100% yeah, of Christians of are any, Christ-like. Any religion, sure. <laughs> like, like, you know, as a Christian, like, we try to be Christ-like. We try to be, like, you know, good, moral, decent humans. But to say that every single one of us are... Well, you know, look at the Inquisitions. Clearly not. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm a mushroom worshiper. And if you want, uh, if you if you'd rather have another religion that's super weird to throw into the mix, I'd be happy to. I mean, uh, you said you said mushroom worshiper. Is that like shiitake mushrooms or no? No, psilocybin. Is that too like expensive. <laughs> too expensive? Psilocybin. Yeah. No, it's they're more expensive than shiitake. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the finest of the foods. So do you, um, I mean, do you like to eat, like, regular mushrooms? Or, yeah, like, I love All it. mushrooms? Yeah, not and all mushrooms. extra love for the special kind? 
there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of mushrooms. Well, not, kill not you. like the poison ones. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you work? Well, oh, wow, this is a good spiritual dichotomy. If you're a mushroom worshiper, we're used to being like facetious, or like you you only really have reverence for like the good psychedelic ones and like the good. Yeah, I have reverence, but not to the same level. I have reverence you, for the psychedelic ones. You, would you say you also have reverence for the poison ones? Not because they're good for you, but because you you have they can awe, take all your enemies. You, you have awe and reverence for them because of the power they hold to end life. Or would you just say no? I don't worship them or have reverence for them. They suck. I don't. Yeah, I don't worship them. Although they are healthy, healthy respect. They, oh, of course I have healthy respect. There's a there's a uh, mushroom called the Angel of Death, um, which is noise? absolutely terrifying. Apparently, the Angel of Death. If you eat it, it tastes delicious, and you'll have multiple organ failure like three days after you eat it. So, do you call okay. those satanic mushrooms? What's that? I said, do you call those satanic mushrooms, then? Uh, no, I don't. I, they're just dangerous. <laughs> like, just don't eat Birdie, them. Birdie, bro, you got to mute. Sorry, oh, sorry. Make my Yeah, sorry. Carry on. Uh, see, what were you saying? Oh, no, I was just joking. I asked him if he calls those satanic mushrooms. He said no. <laughs> I will I will say the teachings of the mushroom are actually surprisingly close to the teachings of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, what? There are a lot well, of that's parallels. where I was going with the have awe and respect, right? Because some people are like, well, why do you gotta you know fear God? Blah blah blah. I'm like, well, it's not fear like you're scared to death. Because, I mean, if you're not a Christian, you should be. But I'm like, it's not for Christians that like you know we're like scared he's gonna like beat us with a stick or something. Like we're for Christians, we've already been forgiven, but we still have a healthy awe and like respect for the power he holds. Like. He could totally squish us out of existence, i.e. poison mushroom us um, at will if he wanted to, but he won't because we're, you know, we're, we have eternal life in Christ. We've repented. We follow Christ, but he could. And it's just like that's a healthy awe or like your healthy respect for your poison mushrooms. Mm. Too much of a stretch? I don't think so. It's an interesting parallel. Hey, Steph, um, good morning. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I would say I have more. I apply that healthy respect in the sense that when you go on a when you go on a trip it's you're not in control of that trip it's it's you're sort of at the mercy of the experience so it's really important that you respect that experience and that you you give it the sort of the respect it deserves when you're when you're in that space yeah i, I don't like not being in control well, I mean, you're not in control. Your your religion says that God is, right? Well, yeah. So, I mean, if I'm going to be beholden to something that is in control, then I'd much rather it be God than a mushroom or, like, you know, an airplane pilot or something like that. So, like, God would be the only <laughs> one that I'm cool with being in control. An airplane pilot. <laughs> I mean, I'm So, naturally like, speaking, I like to be in control. Um, I understand. If I'm not going to, then let it be it God. It better be God. Yeah, I get it. I, I, but also, you agree that, like, whatever the truth is, it's not your choice of who's actually in control, right? Sure. So, I just simply believe that during those experiences, the mushroom is sort of guiding the experience for my benefit. And if I disrespect the experience, then the mushroom will punish me. Well, for... why give respect to the mushroom instead of the one who made that mushroom? Ah, checkmate. 
<laughs> well, it's, it's a good question. Um, I just don't know who made the mushroom. And Research. I, <laughs> I uh, am a pragmatist, and I just, my life is better with this frame of thought than without it. So uh, I, it works for me. So, yeah. Do you feel like the mushroom has consciousness and awareness and will? It feels like it. See stuff, take one day off and look what happens. But I can't, uh, I can't guarantee it. But it certainly feels that way. That's terrifying. I'd run from that thing. <laughs> On the other hand, like, you know, non-poisonous, non-psychedelic mushrooms are a staple in my near-daily life. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, have you ever tried a lion's mane? Uh, no. Um, Nate, if I can give you one recommendation, it'd be eat some lion's mane. It is a ridiculously good for you mushroom. Are they that, expensive? <laughs> uh, yes, but you can grow it really easily. So I try it first. Just pay whatever it costs at Whole Foods or whatever, and make some like lion's mane steaks. And it's a really good steak substitute. And uh, just salt, pepper, uh, olive oil, and high heat. That's all you need. And um, and just like press it down into the pan as hard as you can and it makes it turns into a steak and it's really good for your brain and if you like it then they have like grow kits for lion's mane so then you just grow your own uh meat substitute basically and it's ridiculously healthy for you and it'll make you feel amazing well thank you for the recommendation if i find those i shall try them I mean, it did come from a, a mushroom worshiper. So, if that. Oh wait. Yeah. So is that like? Uh, I mean, I guess it's technically not food offered to demons. So you know, that's like one of the things the Bible's like, hey, you should probably avoid that. But that's also for the benefit of the other person, like if someone's weak in the faith. So you know, to kind of get back to a God topic. Um, I mean, technically, if someone's like, hey, I offered these mushrooms to Satan, but they're really good. I mean, that'd probably be fine. I could eat them, unless it was causing someone else to stumble. Then don't. But, I mean, you just recommended it, so it's probably fine. They're probably, yeah, they don't have any um, supernatural powers, to the best of my knowledge. But uh, they are, they have made me feel really good. So, yeah. See so you. What do you think about uh, mushrooms? Are you a fan? I'm with uh, Super Mario. I do not like them. I just them. <laughs> wait. Mario eats them. Yeah, Mario big. loves them. Turns him into you like a super person. You guys not see the movie? It's canon now. Oh no, I did not. So he doesn't like mushrooms in the movie. He doesn't like mushrooms. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what happened? You? What? He doesn't like them. This is why we can't have anything nice. Why don't they just leave things alone? No, that movie was great. He had the um, 
The uh, mushroom oh. that Mario eats, by the way, is the called the Amanita muscaria, or the fly agaric. It's the Alice in Wonderland mushroom, the the red mushroom with white spots. And do you uh, know about chicken of the woods? I do. Yeah. Nice. Have you ever had it? Um, no, actually, I've never had chicken in the woods. I should, though. I've had turkey tail. I've had cordyceps. I've had lion's mane. I've had the, the, the cool, the cool ones, but, um. Are you vegan? No, I'm not vegan. Oh, uh, I had a, I had a premise or a thought that people who only knew about chicken of the woods were like vegan because it was like a substitute. Uh, my. Chicken of the woods? It's, it's a mushroom that tastes like chicken. Like no joke, like real, like chicken. Like you can just yeah. like pick it off a tree and just cook it's it. Like chicken. They have just lobster chicken. of the woods and hen of the woods, and they all taste <laughs> like their respective names. Wow, where do you find these? Are these readily available? Um, um, if, yeah, they're like in the woods. Like you can like go foraging I, for mushrooms. I mean, like to buy it like a store from someone. Oh who's no, them from some the places like you'd have to like go to like. Whole Foods and get like special order or something like that. I mean, but like there was chicken of the woods behind my high school. Yeah, my forest is like Walmart groceries. <laughs> so, uh, Nate, there was a major piece of entertainment news that came out last week. I'm not sure you're aware of. Um, Bob Iger came out and said that Disney needs to focus on making projects that are entertaining and not worry about the messages. I think I did hear that. That is a major paradigm shift. Wait, from, but he's been back in the helm Disney? for like a year now, right? Well, but he, but you have to think about it. The only thing you've seen that, that you could kind of see his influence in is again, how they did the Marvels, right? That was, that was a pretty woke movie on first cut and they edited that stuff out. So other than that, you haven't really been able to see any influence yet. So you can see the direction he's taking the company now, and, you, and it will reflect in the content that's coming out in the future. We shall see. I will say, I think it's I think the decision of how woke they are is going to be only financially driven. So if if the more woke. It is the more money they make, they will make more woke they, content. They found the opposite, though, Stephen. So they're cutting the other way. And in, in fact, I, I can't say the name of a person, but I know somebody who turned down the chief diversity role at Disney because she didn't feel like the company was being progressive enough, and they're cutting the other way now. Oh my God, not progressive enough? What the heck? I'll take that role as that job open. I have zero zero qualifications, but I'll take it happily. I don't think it would be that hard. I think that's like one of those roles you could like literally pick any direction and then you could just justify why you made that decision and everyone will just like be like, oh, well, that's the direction we're going because you said so. Just hire a few of everything. There needs to be a way we can actually have di like not diversity hire, but like actually hire skill without the idea of like people having bias and i know i know there's apparently always going to be bias right but like higher on merit whole, yeah no, yeah that's, I think that's that makes exactly you a racist what I, that's what i'm i mean i'm for i'm definitely for hiring on merit because it's like otherwise you get crap 
you get you get poop being produced. Which I think and after it's like just, ten years of this, people are finally starting to see that. Well, I think but, um, so. So the new buzzword that is going to eventually completely take over is the idea of belonging. And the idea of belonging oh, encompasses white males. And it also includes Nate making sure white males feel like they belong as well. So it is a full integration of everybody. Man. What? I don't like that. It, <laughs> Not everyone needs to belong to everything. Some people shouldn't belong. There's things I shouldn't belong to. Well, no, no. It's a matter of if you are hired, you should feel like you belong. So basically what they're saying is how do you create the best culture for retention, which only makes sense. The goal of any organization is to retain talent, have innovation and make more money. I guess. But I mean, how far are you going to like bend over backwards to retain someone like to to ridiculous proportions, like to give them everything they've ever wanted? Like, I mean, you know there's going to be an end somewhere. What should happen is job hirings need to change entirely. It, it, it shouldn't be based on like interview processes. It should be every time you go for an interview. It's just a competition. It's like the Hunger Games or the Harry Potter Quidditch thing. It, it, it needs to be like literally based on like, oh, this person outdid these other people. That's a very static approach. I'll give you an example. So we recently just hired a PR person and I literally didn't pick the quote unquote most qualified person because part of the role is the ability to gel with the rest of the team. And we have a lot of Gen Z people on our staff. So I, we ended up selecting someone who was like, you know, in their late 30s, and it felt like they could both be really great with older clients and great with Gen Z team members versus a person who was most highly qualified. I thought she would be very condescending to the younger team members. So chemistry and fit is a part of hiring. It's not just about getting the best. Right. Talent. You see that in it's sports, right? Antonio Brown is an amazing talent, but. He doesn't fit with the chemistry of any team right now. Okay, well, that's like Colin Kaepernick, who is not an amazing talent, and people tried to appease him at every turn until they're just like, okay, we're sick of you. And after he's failed with, like, multiple different teams he tried for, um, you know, the, he was trying to – they were trying to, like, make him belong too much. No, no, no. He never got signed by a team. So that's like the opposite. He he after when he, he left played the 49ers, for San Francisco. Yeah. What? Yeah. He, after he left the 49ers, he never got signed by another team. And then also, in fairness, he no had a good three year run, Nate. I mean, he had a good three year run statistically. So, and they had a great record. So for three years, he performed very well. And what changed, I wonder? <laughs> Dylan Brooks had the same situation with him. He's a locker room cancer. Nobody wanted him, so he ended up just going to whatever team could give him like a bare a bare minimum contract offer during free agency. Uh, okay, sports. I don't care about any of this. <laughs> so yeah, I, the reason I, I, think, I think we're only discussing it because it's like talent isn't the only factor. Fit is. That's all. Right. I mean. Like, okay, like, my thought process is coming from, like, okay, you start integrating a lot of new technologies, like um, augmented reality or virtual reality or things like that. You could simulate 
literally on the job situations like this sounds like very extreme but it's like a mini version of like the matrix and you do the thing and you get to see the dynamic and chemistry of that individual this sounds very extreme you're, you're seeing the chemistry of how we're performing that day and if I know I'm entering into a situation where I'm being assessed, I'm going to give you my very best. And that's not a good measure of how I'm going to do day to day constantly in most situations. True. I don't even know how we got on this topic, but yeah. <laughs> I'm running out of things to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we got the we made the mushroom guy leave. He he was bored by it too. Yeah, he was like sports. <laughs> hey, random question: How do all your respective um, spouses or partners um, view you guys on this app? I was looking at uh, Brother Miller where he said his. Uh, Mrs. told him to turn off the app, and I was just curious if anyone else has some something similar to a different degree or similar degree. Because I, I don't think I ever hear or see anyone else's like spouse like also on this app. It's usually just the in, the one person. When I started doing this like ten years ago, um, oh man, I was on this thing like sixteen hours a day. Like I lived on this thing. I just got addicted to it. Ten and, years ago. Uh, yeah, on Google Plus. Oh, um, same, same type of thing. Anyway, so I, I, I lived on this thing. Anyways, in more recent times, when I found out about Clubhouse, I'm like, all right, I got to throttle this. So I only do it like usually first thing in the morning when I wake up, take the kids to school. So like I'm home, my family's out, you know, my family's all gone. Um, my wife's at work. So I, I do it for a couple hours a day. And then I like make myself just get off this thing. And I don't, I don't ever do it at night or anything like that. So mm. that's how it works for me. Um, Steph apparently lives on this thing like all day long. What? And I guess she's also not talking. So, oh, oh, I should have said Jesus wrote a dinosaur, right? No, listen, I am on here during work hours from my kids leave at nine. So then I'm on from nine to three. And then after three, I have to get off. That's it. Uh, oh, I thought you'd tell, tell me about like all the ratchet rooms at night and stuff like oh, that. Oh, okay. Well, again, when I'm laying in bed, I pop in my headphones and I listen. <laughs> I haven't been lately, but I'm not like engaging a whole lot. Like after Ask a Christian is done, I usually go to other rooms and then I'm not on the stage because I'm just sitting at my desk. I treat it like a like a podcast outside of this room. Yeah, my wife is like, she's like, why are you obsessed with talking to all these strangers? And I'm like... Because they're interesting to talk with, and they have different ideas. I like will you too. Say, I have <laughs> gone through, like, my husband had to sit me down and be like, this is way too much time you're spending on this thing. <laughs> so I did have to, like, scale back. Just because I'd be making dinner or whatever, I've had a, I'd have a headphone in. So even if I'm not sitting there talking, he'd be like, dude, could you, like, pay attention to the kids? They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I so I would, I have to, like, leave my head. So now what I do is if my husband's around, I try to put it on so that he can hear it, too. And then sometimes he's interested. But he'll he'll get annoyed if I'm walking around the house with a headphone in. So I stopped doing that. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my experience is different. Like, when I first came on here, it was still, like, the invitation stage, right? You only got, like, three invitations. And my wife, like, made me give her one. I wanted to give them to business people, but my wife yeah. made me give her one, so I did. 
And then she has basically become like a chief Marvel and Star Wars influencer on the app and <laughs> run rooms what? a couple times a week. Yeah. Who's your wife? I want to follow her. The wow. I don't want any of you people ever meeting my wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah at, least, so, at least my fiance, when she sees me on here, she enjoys it a lot. She's She finds it really funny at times. Uh, especially when she sees me go into like unhinged debate rooms and then sees oh, me like pop off, then she gets like real. She gets like real happy about it. Or whenever I go into like a theological debate room and I'm just like listening in the audience, she'll like ask me questions. She's just like, "Wait, so who's the one with the incorrect position here and why?" I'm just like, "Okay, this is why. This is who's holding it wrong. This guy sounds like he's good, but he has no idea what the hell he's talking about. So don't listen to anything and don't take anything about what he's saying. And then she's like, okay. And then she listens. And then she after listening to like my Muslim debate rooms 24-7, like randomly as a joke, she'll come up to me and whisper in my ear. She'll be like, alhamdulillah. Oh, my gosh. My my wife does not like me when I'm in the, the Muslim rooms. She's just like, hey, what is this? She's like, it just sounds like a bunch of folly. And I'm just like... I mean, I'm just talking, I'm just having a conversation with them. And she's like, I thought you were on this app for, like, talking about God. And I was just like, I mean, I have those rooms, but also I, I talk with atheists and also Muslims. And she was just like, but I don't hear you sharing the gospel. And I'm like, right now it's not the, the, the direction of the conversation. I, it's not that I don't bring it up, but she doesn't like me. Funny games so you get converted by the sword. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Converted by the sword. Hey, Adam. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. I was going to contribute to the uh, topic at hand. My yeah. wife has told me several different times that um, I am breaking God's heart being on this app because God uh, doesn't, in his word, he talks about us not fighting about uh, meaningless things. <laughs> And that's what she sees this as fighting about mean, meaningless things and uh, stuff like that. So basically, I'm uh, going against God being on the app. So, so yeah, that's 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 what I get to deal with. Hey, I can... uh, uh, there's a little thing that uh, my fiance wanted to answer. Go ahead, Vivi. What do you want? What do you want to say? Steph, aren't you like the woman pastor that I hear about? <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? Asterisk, Steph. Bye. <laughs> Bobby, I am going to start plotting my revenge right now. Be ready. <laughs> Vengeance is his, says the Lord. If you're a woman pastor, yeah, well, you should know that. I can help him along, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So for those who have uh, who have kids, have you guys shown your kids the Prince of Egypt or that or those times like those movies where like Disney was like, yo, let's make these yeah. really cinematic Bible things, Bible stories, and also, uh, what did they no. think about it? No, uh, no. You didn't watch a Prince of Egypt with your kids? That's a great movie. I don't know what that is. No, is it new or like old? Oh, it's a movie it's about older. the story of Moses, but it's beautifully animated. It's beautifully done. I the feel music like is wonderful. What? No, I was saying the music also. Like they 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 put in a lot of work on every aspect of the movie. Oh, I'll just yeah, if I ever have kids, I'm telling all I'm telling all my kids if I ever have them that those are all second commandment violations. You said oh, all violations? Shit. It's Moses. God doesn't appear in the movie. Okay. Well, I'm not letting them <laughs> watch the chosen. I'm not letting them watch the chosen. 
Oh, I'm not. I'm not about the chosen. I'm talking about Prince of Egypt. It's all the same for Bubby. Boy. What's wrong, what's wrong with the chosen? I haven't seen it, Bubby. What's your oh, the chosen. The chosen is hot potato. The There's depictions of Christ. That's the second yeah, commandment violation. No, 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 no. Well, I'm not I even worried about that. I think depicting Christ's earthly body should is not. I don't think that's a second commandment violation. But hey, that's just. Well, me. I don't think you can separate his earthly body and the hypostatic union at that. Point. I think you so should like, need to submit to clergy. Wait, the I think you second, should submit to history. The, sec- the second uh, commandment is what? No. Specifically, what is it? No graven image before me. Yeah, yes, like no that. graven image. I'm going to say, like, that is excluding actual Jesus that you're worshiping. Like, that's just how I view it. Like, any graven image, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see that as including our Lord and Savior. No, that's fine if you take, if you take that way, but I mean... Uh... My tradition is full of iconoclasts, and I am also one. So uh, wait, yeah. no, Bubby, you could do this better. Tell Nate about the thing in Deuteronomy that fleshes out why you shouldn't make graven images. Kyoto. I okay, I didn't know so. about this until Kyoto and I just were debating about it. There's a I, second I, I, part. I think whatever Kyoto told you is probably the same position that I'm holding. So go ahead. Yeah, okay, so there's a second part in, I think, Deuteronomy where they go through the Ten Commandments again, and it fleshes out why you don't make graven images, and it specifically says uh, because you can't make graven images of the Lord because you haven't seen him. Yeah, so that's the big problem. Yeah. Well, but wait, but that's in Deuteronomy. In the, new co- in the New Covenant, we have seen Jesus, we have seen the Lord. So they can no, do it. It says you personally, you personally have not seen him. Like, oh, yeah, with your so physical I... eyes, you have not seen Jesus. No okay, way. so Jesus' disciples who did see him, and then, you know, presumably somebody, like we get the picture of Jesus on yeah, the cross. Yeah, we wouldn't have a problem with, like, the apostles or someone like that making an image, because they've actually walked and seen him in the, in the flesh. You haven't. That's the big issue. Okay, so here is, here is some arguments for and against, so it not being a violation. The commandment focuses on the worship of idols or graven images, not artistic representation. Uh, uh, argument it is a violation. Potential for idolatry, respect for religious sensitivity, and it's a form of entertainment that can potentially divert attention from the deeper spiritual message associated with Christ. Yeah, by the way, if we, I mean, you know, even if people have like, you know, an image of Christ, no one's worshiping that image. That is that Catholic, right? Well, at least in the Protestant tradition, shots fired. What's up, Miguel? <laughs> no, but bro, the chosen it adds things that are not in the Bible. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's like, uh, like Mormons had and Catholics had um things to do with making that movie. Like, there's literally a quote from uh the Mormon book in the chosen. Like, yeah, it, it's not um, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, want no, the Mormon. Mean, I... The Mormons funded the movie initially. Or the show initially, and then there was so much backlash that the Church of Latter Day Saints was funding it that they actually stopped taking the funding from the Latter Day Saints. Yeah, but the, it was the problem still no comes into like, the newest. The newest season is just like adding words to Jesus that he didn't say, nor would it align with what yeah, he said. Yeah, it's not even. It's not even that they're like. It's not even just like they're stretching what Jesus said. It's like 
they're adding certain things and it's changing the meaning of what he said. Yeah, no, but like, do you have an example? Because like where, Je- where it shows Jesus, yeah, like, let me let me where it let shows me find Jesus it. playing like you know Old Testament soccer or whatever, he's kicking a ball. Like, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily you know changing his message or meaning. I, I I mean, I think it does. On one hand, I think it does good because you know it kind of like humanizes him, and it's like, yeah, he really was a person who really like you know probably made an occasional joke that didn't have any big theological implications. So yes, it's not words right out of the Bible, but it also doesn't have any theological significance. So yeah, especially let me, like a let new audience, it, it kind of, yeah, kind of like I, I think they, I don't know if it's just me, but I cannot like stop, I can't like in my head contemplate Jesus joking. I, I don't know how, but I just can't. I just feel like I think he had a sense of humor. I'm sure he, no, he God was serious. Invented humor. Yeah, I, I, I feel I feel like Jesus just didn't have a sense of humor. I feel like he was just like serious about everything. I mean, yeah, you think when he sat, doesn't say like the Lord laughs at like people that think they can like thwart His will. That doesn't say like yeah, the Lord but, laughs or mocks them. But XG, I mean, like imagine Jesus sitting in the, the the sinners and the tax collectors. You think like, I mean, I used to think about it. It's just like, oh, like he's sitting with them and they crack like a, a bad joke, and then Jesus is like sarcastically laughing, yeah. and then he stops and he's like, that wasn't funny. I mean, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> like i mean i think jesus was able to like control the, the the atmosphere and presence of the room because he had such a um authoritative presence that people knew to respect him in certain manners so i don't think he had to deal with that because he he knew how to position himself speaking to certain people um but i do think he was able to, to crack jokes i i mean like I, I don't think they were inappropriate jokes uh, that's just my perception but yeah yeah, the, I mean, the, the, Bible does yeah. Say, the Bible does say a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So, I mean, that right there tells you that we're supposed to be happy and laughing. I mean, come on. Do you, do you really want to be a Christian out there and look like you just swallowed a whole bunch of lemon juice? I mean, that's I mean, what 90% of evangelical Christians look like outside today. The other day, someone told me I should smile more. Um, I scowled in response. So I, I think the issue Birdie is pointing out is due to them trying to have like what four seasons of a show. It's too much to try to put out because there's no way you can do TV for that long without stretching things. I thought um I don't know Mark Burnett I think it was he did like a six or eight episode limited series. I don't think you can do any more than that if you're talking about Jesus because otherwise you're forced to add things that aren't there. Well, I mean, they're like what half? They're not even like halfway through, um, the life of Christ yet, right? Like, like, um, like there's there's still a lot more to go. So, I mean, there's probably gonna like milk that for like two, three more seasons, maybe. They're gonna probably try and pull a Walking Dead, where it's like eleven seasons. Yep. Oh gosh, that's I what I hate that show. There's just some people that make TV shows that don't understand, especially when it's based off like historical events. Especially, like, when you're basing it off historical events, there's only so long you can keep the show going until you have to completely change the course of history as it was. And they're wicked as heck, though, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's see what happens with them, man. You can't just add words that Jesus never said. Like, man, don't you fear God? You know what I mean? <laughs> Two CVs, baby. Well, but again, I mean, you know, adding adding non-theological points like you know making a, a joke or something or, or hanging out or hey pass the bread please yeah, but, i mean but, i don't bro, think that's adding words to your damnation but, but bro, this is the thing right like say luke for luke is probably the most in my opinion the most detailed gospel luke has 24 chapters you can make a lot of like a two-hour movie based on luke two-hour movie or three-hour movie 
just based on Luke. Like, they could have done that at least and gone word for word with what Luke has to say. But, like, they, they didn't need to add words. Like, we've got tons of material in the New Testament. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm not beholden to it. I mean, you know, I've, I've watched the series. I'll watch, I'll watch the, I'll probably watch it all the way till it finishes. But I mean, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I can't. Yeah. I haven't finished understand. like the first, and I keep getting halfway okay. through the second season and then falling off. So the the um here's here's one of the examples of what was changed, right? Um, it's the conversation with Nicodemus. Um, Jesus meets Nicodemus in the Chosen, and much of the conversation is scriptural. Um, but there are subtle changes. However, um, it adds statements like Jesus telling Nicodemus, what does your heart tell you? Um, and talking about uh, it, 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 the person who's I'm reading an article. They're talking about, like, why would Jesus talk about, like, trusting your heart? And what does your heart tell you about the situation when Scripture also talks about the heart is deceptive? Um, and then it also says. Uh, soon it'll all be about the heart. That's what Jesus said um, in in that scene. So it's like they're focusing on heart stuff, like it's Kingdom Hearts instead of actually. They just also like... they also changed uh, <laughs> they also changed a bit of what Mark Two was supposed to be because like that was the big advertisement that I got the whole Mark Two scene, uh, the whole paralytic in the pallet. They did not have any conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees on that one, even though there was like a full explicit one in Mark two, and they just had they, they just had it be like Jesus came up like this uh, like, like this I don't know uh you know Hasselhoff type dude, and then all of a sudden was just like hey man you can pick that up, and then all of a sudden that was like that was like it the dude picks up walks he's like super happy and that's it like that's not how Mark two went down at all. Yeah, it's just wicked in my opinion, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um. Well, they I depicted think, um, they depicted John the Baptist as an arrogant person. Um. I'm just going down this list. He might have he might have had a flair of arrogance to him. I mean, if you listen to how he talked, he was pretty hardcore. So I don't know how that you boy was just confident. He was not he arrogant. Did. Well, but no, no, but I don't I don't know how you communicate the words that he did and sound humble. If he did that, he is an impressive person. I mean, but scripture also it, it, he speaks in a manner that's humble, where he says he himself isn't even worthy to um, untie the shoes of, of the person to come. Did you say Jesus. that in the show? Uh, I don't think so. I don't I don't know. I, I stopped watching. I, I like watched season one, and I was like, oh, wow, it's so good. But, like, okay. season one seemed fine, right? Like, they didn't do any wild stuff. Season two was, was like, mm, like, you're adding stuff, and it was fine. But, like, season three came, and it was like, okay, you guys are running out of resources, and you're stretching it really hard. <laughs> right, hey, I, just, I just... Tell I was going to say you, real quick. Uh, commonly say fruit of vipers or the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You can say that in a humble way. <laughs> Edron, what's up, man? How are you doing? Hey, Nate. Um, I might chime in more in a bit. I just uh, get the feel for what you're talking about. So sure, I'm sure. doing okay. I, I was just going to say, like, I think it's quite um, intriguing how 
you guys have a problem with uh the chosen and how it's displayed and stuff like that but but who's behind the filming of the chosen where's it being filmed at texas right oh it's not in hollywood no, I thought, I no, thought I don't it was think like Angel Studios. Texas and Georgia. Yeah, they're like not affiliated with Hollywood Jayhops. at all. Uh, I was going to say if it was in Hollywood, like some of yeah, the it's in Texas. like the Passion of the Christ and stuff like that. I mean, well, yeah, we're also I'm also of... against all that too. Anything with Christ in it as a depiction, nope, two TV. Hmm. Well, I mean, Hollywood does what Hollywood does, right? Well, I mean, it's but they're they're doing the Chosen in Fort Worth though. You know what creeps me out though is that actor. I don't know his name, the one who's playing Jesus. Jonathan Rumi. I'm creeped. What? Jonathan Rumi. Sure. Yeah, that guy. I'm creeped out when I see him in commercials for other Christian stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I, I see him, like, <laughs> oh, listen to the gospel read by this guy. It's like, no, no, no. We don't. We don't need that. Like now we're crashing yeah. into. And his like, it's like a Hallow app. Yeah, exactly. He was selling his he was selling his personal rosary. I'm like, yeah, my biggest problem comes from that stuff. I'm like, I don't need a Jonathan Rumi fake Jesus rosary. I don't need one at all. (laughs) See, that's where we cross in the second commandment stuff for me. I don't mind seeing a depiction of Christ's physical body on TV or hearing someone say the words that Jesus said. Uh, humans have made art for a long time and you know, da 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 da. I think it falls into that category, like CEO said. But I do not want to hear that guy read scripture. That's where it becomes like, oh, well, now this is Jesus in my mind. You know, there are a lot of people who now just picture that guy or hear his voice. I don't like that. That's bad. Do you think, if I could just chime in, do you think um, it's wrong to have a, a, a depiction of Jesus, like in a, even if it's like faithful to the Bible? Like, yes. Um, an actor portraying Jesus? No. Go on. Half, half, of a, half of us have decided no, the other half, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there, there, so there's this tension in this reality that if you're going to keep reaching people, that doing that in the format that they consume, I, I think is wise. So, like, do we think that Jesus wouldn't use Twitter to get people to see him preach if he was around today? I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, no, it's a, this is a fair question. I think. I think Jesus might use Twitter. I think Paul might use Twitter, uh, but I don't think that that's doesn't violate like the second. Com- yeah, I, but I don't think that doesn't like uh, violate like the second commandment. I understand, like you know, Jesus is God. Um, you know, is is who is his humanity God? Now we know his humanity is a hypostatic union between his humanity, his deity, but is portraying what people think he might have looked like. Is that a violation of the second commandment? I struggle with that, honestly. I yep. I, 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 tend to shy. Don't, go ahead, go ahead. I don't think so. I mean, there's many different depictions of, of Jesus. And I mean, honestly, like when you're when I'm thinking about the graven images, it's just like, are you talking about like actually carving something? Or are you talking about um building a statue? Or are you talking about just painting something? Because it's like if we're talking about painting things, then it's just like there's a lot of people who or breaking the second commandment because it's like nothing's really engraven on these on these photos of ours um but that's not what they mean by graven there graven yeah so yeah so I'm, I'm i'm just i'm speaking i'm just speaking in like the um the the semantics of it i mean it's just like like how granular are you getting 
because um, it's like if you talk about the chose, because I remember XG when we started the conversation, you said uh, one of the reasons why you're not interested in watching the Prince of Egypt is because of the portrayal of things and how it's it's going against the Second Commandment. But that's also the same thing of like looking at your phone; it's not really graven, right? I mean that that's those are those are pictures. Um, so, yeah, but the, the moment it becomes graven is the moment where it starts depicting Jesus with people who haven't seen him in the flesh. That's the big problem, and Deuteronomy alludes to that. So that's just your interpretation of it. <laughs> you don't Congratulations have, you don't, for pointing you, out you the obvious. Prove that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, th- I don't think he's imposing well, I, I mean, his perspective I, I mean, I on anyone. The same thing right back to you. Oh, no, it's just your interpretation that it's not a 2CV violation. Like, that gets right. nowhere. Well, I don't, I don't think XG is imposing his perspective on anyone. I think he's just sharing his perspective, his interpretation. Yeah. Well, it was yeah, Deuteronomy 27, 27, 15, I think. I think off the top of the head, uh, what was the verse? Deuteronomy 27 or like 26, 15. That talks about that. Well, I think when it's, it's the second restating of the Ten Commandments and how one of the points was talking about because no one has seen. Yeah, look, I, I think it boils down when it's that ambiguous to your personal conviction. And so, Bubby, I would argue it's a sin for you. It ain't a sin for me. And I don't feel convicted at all. Right. And then that, that's fine. That's fine to leave it there, because, I mean, that's what Scripture says is like each person, if they feel convicted to do something and if they do against it, then that is a sin. So. Yeah. And then, uh, what is everyone's interpretation of the verse about uh, one person eating meat and another person eating only vegetables and one having the weaker faith? My friend used to joke about that with me, saying, like, Felix, you're vegan, you have weak faith. Um, but what is everyone's interpretations of that of that verse? Just what it says. Anything you're convicted about, don't do it. So if you're convicted and do it anyways, congratulations, you just sinned. Not because of the thing you're doing necessarily, but because you violated your own conscience presumably, as a Christian, being led by the Holy Spirit. That's the same. Mm. So if you feel fine about, you know, eating broccoli, go for it. If you're like, <laughs> oh, it would be a sin, like, ah, my conscience is screaming, don't eat broccoli, it's disgusting. Like, ah, I can't do it, and you do it, well, then you just sin. Not that broccoli is sinful, but because your right. conscience is legitimately telling you not to do it for whatever reason, and you violate your conscience, which is going against the Holy Spirit, leading you, and you have sinned by eating stupid broccoli. Right. Wait, 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 can I can I ask a question on that, Nate? Good morning, everybody. Morning, morning. Because uh, that is a great, great. That's a oops, cutting out here. That's a great topic. Um, so I take it to be that your conscience can be seared, and you can actually start being uh, condemned over things that are not actually wrong. And uh, so, if someone that's born into an Islamic household and thinks that it is absolutely uh, blasphemous to to put Jesus on the same level as God. Um, if they even entertain the idea, it, it just absolutely it it it, uh, it appalls them, right? They they repel against it, and if they were to they recoil from it. If they were to do it, I think it would violate their conscience, but I don't think it would be a sin. Well, this is talking about for Christians. So, like, if you're not a Christian, none of this is applying to you. For Romans fourteen. Right. I mean, I've, and I've also, I've also met Muslims. I mean, I know that it might not, it might either be like they're not fully understanding what they truly believe because there there are Muslims I've met who fully believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
that he's not just a prophet, but they also struggle to say that he is God himself. And I'm just like, well, I mean, in my in my head, I'm like, you just need to just think a little bit further. But like, that's just where they sit and they don't have any like issues with acknowledging that Jesus is more than just a prophet, that he is the son of God. Um, and that, yeah, it's a weird thing. I've, I've not heard a lot, but I've, I've run into a couple of people who well, sitting it, there. It's flower, right. It's flowerly language because really they, what they're really saying, and you'll hear them say this phrase a lot. They'll say, well, God has sons by the tons. Right. <laughs> and because they don't want to put, oh. they don't want to put yeah. So what they're doing is, is they're actually just minimizing what it means to be a son of God. They're not elevating Jesus. And if they, they'll say he's the Messiah, that he's coming back and, you know, he is the Messiah, which is really odd. But they say he's the Messiah. But if you put him on the same level as God, uh, sorry, I might be cutting out. If you put him on the same level as God and worship him, uh, yeah, you're, 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 you're going to burn in hell for that. I mean, that's just um, that's unacceptable. So I guess yeah, um, even under the conception of what you're saying, Nate, like just for Christians alone, I kind of wonder about this because I think that you can warp your conscience as a Christian because you've engaged in various sins. And I think that you can be convicted about things that are actually good. What do you think about that? I'm not, I'm looking for like a concrete example you're giving. Cause you know, if you just take the last, you know, cause Romans 14 halfway through starts talking about meat and vegetables. But then if you get to the very last uh, verse, it says anything not done from faith is sin. So that's elevates it beyond food. So that's anything. So if you have, you know, another way to say this, if I feel, I, I mean, I keep thinking of stupid examples, but you know, find something that actually matters. But if I like legitimately get to a fork in the road and I, I feel a conviction that I need to go right instead of left, um, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I for some reason, I feel impressed to go right. Uh, nope, screw it, going left. Then I think that that is, I mean, a sin, but go with me because that's a very dumb example. Um, but find something that matters. That's like, that's like, no, I feel like in my spirit compelled to do this thing and I'm going to do the opposite um, for that person. Um, you're not doing that from faith. You don't feel good about it. You feel it's actually wrong to do that. That is sin because the Holy Spirit is the one leading you and guiding you. So if you violate that, it's not the thing you're doing. Like, you know, like alcohol, for example. There you go. That's a good one. So like alcohol, the Bible clearly, it condemns drunkenness, but it doesn't uh, condemn any alcohol. However, if you're like, you know, recovering alcoholic or what you were just talking about, like past trauma or whatever, um, and you're like, people are like, well, no, the Bible says you can drink, just don't get drunk. And you're like, no, 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 I, I know I've had issues with this. This is bad. Like, I know the Bible says, uh, you know, drinking alcohol is not a sin as long as I don't get drunk. But, you know, I can't, I don't know if I can trust myself. I could get drunk. Like, I don't feel good about this. Therefore, I will abstain completely. And if they know that they should abstain completely, but instead they're like, eh, one drink won't hurt. Well, they've just sinned. Not because they're drinking alcohol, because that's not a sin, but because they violated their own conscience telling them, don't do that. And they did it. So what are what are people's thoughts on um, what happened? What was it like right before Paul well, was taken? Well, let taken? me ask Andrew real fast because he was asking. Andrew, did that answer you? I mean, yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, I think there's more to be explored there, Nate. I, I, um, because I do think so. I don't think obviously all of our consciences uh, are in, in alignment, right? Because you have the church split on the like, for example, the issue of abortion. I think that is an example of just an egregious divide among Christians. You have you have on one side, you know, the side that I would be on, 
that it's pretty much murder in all cases, nearly every case except for the life of the mother, right? But then on the other end, uh, the extreme other end would be it's it's a parasite that's invading my body, and I'm like, yeah, all right. And there are Christians who will say that they'll defend that, and and to me, it's like if your conscience t- doesn't condemn you over that, um, I I wouldn't say that that's the Holy Spirit directly. Uh, I think that it's given by God initially, but I think it's kind of on its own, separate from God. Um, I do think the Holy Spirit can come and convict you throughout your life, but I don't think that the whole, that the, the the conscience is constantly being, um, you know, reined in by God uh, by God or the Holy Spirit because I think people right. aren't condemned; they don't feel convicted over that. And I, I would, I, I'm thinking, man, if I was going to go kill my baby, right? Wow. Like I would be just unbelievably convicted. They're like, no, yeah, I'm talking that, about. Um, You're trying to violate my rights. Well, yeah, I, think, I mean, there's also the biblical stance too, right? So I mean, you know, we're, we're told that God's never going to change, right? So we have the Word of God. Anything you you feel convicted, or you know, people that are like, I feel like you know, God wants me to know this. Like, line it up with Scripture. Someone's like, like, no, totally agree. Uh, you know, I like, I totally don't feel convicted about killing this person. Well, exactly. great. You're wrong. The Bible clearly condemns it. So exactly. like, I, I believe this is for like gray areas because there are certain things yeah. that, that about sexuality and all this other stuff. The Bible is very black and white on. It doesn't matter what you feel. If you say you're not convicted, that's because, you know, like the Bible says, you know, when someone's led away on temptation, don't say it's God doing it. It's because of your own selfish desires. So like if you're if you're trying to say, well, I feel convicted or I don't feel convicted about this, but the Bible clearly disputes you, then you're wrong. The Bible's right. If it's a gray area, right. like the alcohol thing, and you're like, no, uh, you know, I would feel convicted to have any alcohol. Well, that's a gray area. The Bible says don't be drunk. But if you have a personal conviction and you violate that, well, then for you, that's sin. Which is yeah, why we test everything by the word of God. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think we have to have that as the litmus test. So you can have your conscience and you can use it as a reliable guide, Well, particularly if you haven't perverted it. But but people can get to the point, and the scripture is clear on this, right? You can get to the point where you call good evil, and evil good. Yes. And people do, and people do that. And so when I hear somebody say, you know, my right to choose and to just uh, relieve myself of this burden uh, is a good thing, I'm like, no, that's that's pretty much evil. And so even though your conscience isn't condemning you, I think you've just seared your conscience. You become not numb to it. And you don't even right. know that you, that you that you should not be doing that. And, you know, because I feel quite convicted and I'm not even the one that's thinking about doing it. Just entertaining the idea of what they're talking about is just like, are you, what, what are you talking about? Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I think in addition that not a lot of people think about is like people have fumbled in this area throughout history. And it's almost kind of why we sit similar like in this society that we're in right now and how people perceive our faith, right? I mean, it was promised to us that we were going to be mocked and then people would uh, would hate us and all that stuff. That that was a given. It was like, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to expect this is going to happen. But I think that element of people going a little too far and saying, hey, this is my conviction and it also has to be your conviction too became the problem where it was like people were going beyond themselves of like saying, I think this is how we should do things and what should be. And then superimposing that on the rest of the their community or things like that became a problem. And that's where you had like those like weird instances of things where it's just like, how could this group of people who are counted as Christians do certain things and and act a certain way? And it, it's just I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, yo, like 
why did it take so long to like get things together? Um, but also even now it's not together. Um, and I was just like, I was telling my friends, I was like, I kind of think that we almost, we almost have a, a higher burden of responsibility because we, we almost know better um, because scripture is, is more available to us. Um, the translations for the, the previous versions of those are available to us. Um, but then I also go into thinking about like, well, I mean, but God is the same God yesterday and today and tomorrow. Um, and it's just like, what does that look like being partakers in God's decision-making and things and how the things transpire? And I was going to get to the question, Nate, of like, what is your thought about what happened in scripture in the book of Acts where those people were telling Paul, the Holy Spirit is telling us not that you shouldn't be going. And then Paul was saying, the Holy Spirit is telling me that I should go. What, what do you, what is your perception about that instance where it seems like they're both being spoken to, but they're getting totally different things. Uh, I would want to read that whole, um, the whole context of that discussion. It has been some time since I have read that. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, you don't have to answer now, but, but, uh, but I mean, like generally speaking, I'd say, I mean, someone's wrong, right? It's not God. So someone is hearing, right. That makes me think of like, you know, when, when guys would, it was kind of like the old, you know, like church thing, how like guys would like walk up to some woman uh, who they wanted to date. And they're usually like kind of portrayed as like this dorky guy that was never had a chance with this woman. And they're like, God told me you're going to be my wife. Like, <laughs> really? Really? So and it's crazy. like, oh my gosh, you loser. No. If no. anybody ever says the words God told me, I automatically discount everything else they have to say. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it could be like that. It could be, you know, like people getting caught up in their own stuff and like, you know, thinking it's God or whatever. And they need to like, you know, check themselves, but they're not. So like where, where they like saw these markers, it's like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to pray about this. Maybe I need to read my Bible. There's like, no, 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 no. This is it. This is it. This is it. Right. Cause, cause in yeah. the instance in scripture, it was when, when, um, Paul was like, Hey, I'm going to take these gifts and give it to the people in Jerusalem. And the other people were like, Hey, the Holy Spirit's saying that you shouldn't go. You're going to, they're going to arrest you. And Paul was like, it'll be fine. And well, see, I, and I wouldn't even say that's, uh, Okay, that's okay. That's a good example. So, like, if they're whole, okay, so I mean, we can't go back and have a conversation with these people. But I would be wondering, like, are you saying the Holy Spirit is telling you that if he goes, he will be arrested? Therefore, you are adding uh, because of that, do not go. Or are you saying the Holy Spirit is saying if he goes, he will be arrested? Therefore, the Holy Spirit says do not go. That would be a big question I have because it's like, well, if the Holy Spirit says, uh, yeah, he's going to be arrested. That doesn't mean don't go. So Paul's like, right. yeah, I, the Holy Spirit told me I'm going to be arrested, but it's fine. I'm going to go, knowing that I'm going to be arrested. That would be a True. big question I would have. Yeah, right. um, so I, I do have an interesting story here. So actually, uh, the pastor of my church, he told the woman he's now married to that she was, she, that God told him that she was going to be his wife. And she was, not, she was not a Christian at the time. And so what she did was she took out a pack of cigarettes, opened them, and blew smoke in his face and said, do you still think God told you that? So I have an identical story to that with my husband. Like, identical. Uh, go ahead. No, that's it. Did he it work? Maybe it. I should have used this as a dating technique. 
<laughs> I said, because we were, we were friends and we were in college together. We were kind of into each other, but I was like, look, I don't, I, I said this thing like right away, right? Where I was like, I don't date somebody unless I think I can marry them. Like that's that, you know? So if you're not interested in marriage, if you don't want a family, if you're not going to become a Christian, then this is not worth anybody's time. Um, so that was where it started. But then, yeah, we had another conversation where I just was like, you know, we were hanging out a lot, right? We were in uh, art school. So our studios were right next to each other. So we were just like in the studio all the time, painting and whatever. And, uh, so yeah, I would just sort of say things to him or I was always trying to evangelize to him, but sort of sneaky, like, you know, and one day I said to him that I thought he would make a really great Christian. And he lit a pack of cigarettes and stared me in the eye and was like, yeah, right. <laughs> and like that was, you know, or he lit up his cigarette and that was, that was that, you know, but then maybe six months after that, he got saved and the rest is history. Amen. Same thing happens for uh, my fiance. Literally she came, came to her. She was one of those demonic Catholics. And then, you know, I had to go up to her and then I was just like, you know what? I can fix this. I can fix this. And what did I do? I fixed it, and now she's Dutch Reformed, and now she goes well, the Lord, to Dutch the Lord Reformed. Makes it. Yeah, the Lord Amen. fixed it, Bobby. Wait, wait, wait. No, hang on, hang on. I, I was about to say, or the Lord fixed it, but then whenever I remembered, yes, Dutch Reform, I'm, I'm comfortable saying Bubby did it all in his own power because he was getting <laughs> God to bring her into the correct, uh, correct view. Yeah, at least he didn't bring her into Catholicism again, that demonic religion, the orthodoxy, that demonic religion. Or yeah, thank all God right, he didn't make her right, a Baptist. Right. Well, two wrongs don't make a right. Thank God he didn't make her a Baptist. But listen, for everyone in here who's single, okay, Evangel dating does not work. Do not do that. Like, this is a terrible... I'm getting married, so I don't know what you're talking about. Be quiet, no. Bubby. This is called extreme luck and right. hardship that the Lord spared you of. My best friend <laughs> married a man that she thought the same thing was going to happen. They got married the same time as us. We have the same amount of kids born at the same time. Her husband has remained an atheist and her life and faith suffer. Like she did not, she did not have the blessing that I did of, of my husband coming to faith. So do not, do not do this thinking that your dating will change somebody or save them. And uh, on that note, uh, Michael, you've been very quiet for a long time. Um, yes, I don't know if you yeah. want to contribute except tell us how you, um, you and your beloved ended up in an unholy matrimony or <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's it's funny because listening to the stories like our story is uh similar yet polar opposite uh on our first date we were chatting about stuff and i've said you're not religious i said you're not religious are you she's like oh no i'm like awesome and we've been married for 18 years what if she well, was religious would you would you have a problem with like marrying a Let's say Muslim, you know, for kicks. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it wouldn't matter who it was. Like, like, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's reasonable. And I completely understand Stephanie's uh, tell, talking about her friend, um, because, uh, and like, in fairness, it's not just her life that's suffering; it's his too. Um, like, no, there, there would be the sacrifices. I think that both parties would have to make when you have views that are diametrically opposed. I don't think I don't think can work out, and it was one of the things. Um, like it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the main reason, but differences in beliefs is one of the things that ended my first marriage. Yeah, oh, and wait, what's your first 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 Michael, but, uh, I was just gonna say the the thing I'm seeing. My mom always had this saying: "Guys, don't atheists don't take this the wrong way." But someone will pull you down faster than you can pull them up. 
right? Like if some, if you know somebody who has a bad habit, like, like let's like say that you have an alcoholic in your life and you're trying to, they will pull you down much more easily than you can pull them up. And I think yeah. that, Agreed. yeah. So, so with my friend, it didn't happen that her husband came to faith. It's happened that now she's left the church and she's doubting her own faith. And that's exactly the way that was going to go. You know, I didn't even start dating my husband until he came to faith. So that was a safeguard I put up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that's, there's all sorts of. Yeah, I would, I would say to Steph's point as well, that the, the first lady of my church admitted that she essentially tormented him because he said that. And if he hadn't said that, he would have probably had a much easier time dating her. So what do you guys think about the scenario where like, obviously this isn't a real scenario. It's just like, how would you perceive it is the question. Um, you meet a person, they're obviously not a believer. Fast forward, you get married, they're still not a believer, but you are. And they're they're just like, hey, you know what? If you want to take our kids to church, take them to church. If you want to teach them these things, teach them these things, I don't care. And then the person's like, hey, I actually want you to come to church too. And they're like, fine, I'll come to church too. So now they're, they're, they're going to church. Your, your kids are t- learning about Christ. And they have no opposition, but you know, in their heart, they don't believe in any of this. How would you, how would you perceive that? So that's the exact situation that my best friend is in. And there she's Roman Catholic or has been Roman Catholic. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, she married a man who's confirmed in the Catholic church, right? That was the only requirement that that the the priest had. And I was like, girl, this is not going to, so this is the same thing where he was like, well, I'm not going to resist you, but I'm never going to believe this crap. So raise our kids the way you want. And then eventually she, she's like, she has the burden of continuing faith by herself, but it's impossible mm. to pretend that you're a Christian if you're not right. So it's little right. things like when she says grace at the dinner table, um, her husband will just sit there looking at his phone or like he won't like she always makes the sign of the cross. Her husband won't do it. So is there real opposition? No, he's not necessarily hostile to her about it, but the kids see him not believing. And so the burden of overcoming that unbelief is on her all the time. And it just wore her down. She can't, you know, he goes to church, he goes to mass. He doesn't do anything that he should be doing, you know? So that's, I don't think that that's not a, What's the sustainable? That's not a sustainable situation. One person, one parent can't do that on their own. Yeah, I wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly agree. And uh, it's, it's not something like, it, it was one of the things like when, like there, there were many things that led to the, um, the end of my first marriage. Um, but when we did uh, finally uh, separate, that was when, because like to kind of keep the peace while, when we were married, um, I didn't put up a fight when my ex wanted to take my daughter to church. But when we separated, a part of our separation agreement is that we had to have agreement on um, education, um, medical decisions, and religious instruction. And what, what I said to my ex was, like, I, I'm okay with you continuing to take her to, to church, but every Sunday, whether it's my weekend with her or not, she will come and hang out with me for a while so that we can talk about what it was she learned in church. Right. And, 
and she she agreed to that and um, my daughter stayed a believer for quite some time and it was I think it when when she was about 15 years old she's 26 now when she was about 15 years old uh, she told her mother that she was really having a problem and she didn't tell me for about another year because she didn't and she, she apologized later and she's like you know she's like I'm sorry I didn't come and talk to you but I'm like no it's fine like it's your it's your thing I and I'm glad you didn't tell me until you'd kind of made up your mind because I wouldn't have wanted you know to, to feel like I was influenced your, your decision in the wrong way um and so but but Steph I'm in full agreement with you that you can't I I, I uh, and so, Nate, to go back to the question you asked before, uh, no, it, it was when I was dating after my my first marriage ended, that was a non-starter for me. If you were religious, that was a non-starter for me. And it was it was basically next. So was is your ex still a Christian? Do you ever talk to her? Um, yeah. Yeah. And she is. She's still a believer. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my wife, um, when we got married, she was uh she was Catholic. And, you know, when we got married, I was like, oh, Catholic. Okay. The other kind of Christian didn't really know much about Catholicism. Um, but yes, yeah, so she was Catholic. And, you know, we start off like we go to my, my church one week and her church one week and we traveled a lot. So when we get to a new area, uh, you know, we'd each pick a church. Um, so, you know, we do that. And it didn't take very long though, before she's like, you know, something about, you know, your churches just feels more, more personal and more like, a relationship. I'm like, see, see, there's a reason we say it's a relationship. It's not a religion. Anyway, she came to that conclusion on her own. So I'm like, yes, it is relationship oriented. That's what we believe. Like God actually cares about us. Um, anyway, so, so it wasn't very long. Like I didn't have to encourage her because I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but she's like, yeah, I, I don't think I want to really go to my Catholic church anymore. Let's go to yours. I'm like, okay, sounds great. So, um, it just kind of, Fortunately, worked itself out. But yeah, I'd also say to Steph's advice, not the norm. So Actually, you know, real quick, someone put a someone put a scenario in the chat that I think is way more likely to happen. Reason. Yeah, which is, is let's say you get married and they are a Christian at the point of time that you're married, but then they fall away from the faith mid marriage. Right? What Look, happens then? Read the Bible. The Bible is explicit about that. <laughs> like if they're if they're um, if they're um, agreeable to remain married to you, then remain married to them. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if they leave you, well, then you're free because you didn't do anything. They abandoned you. They left you. Uh, but no, um, as long as they're willing to stay with you, then you stay with them. Well, so wait, we no. She, she's not. The Bible says that. Well, okay, just real quick. We know this person. This this is the wife of Jeff of Honest Inquiry, right? So I Francis actually don't know so... that person. I know Jeff, oh, okay. I don't know his wife. So, okay, well, Francis is his wife. She is a Christian oh, I believer. Oh, that. Yeah, there you go. She's a oh, Christian well. believer. He they, he was Christian when they were married, and I don't know the whole story, but he is no longer a believer. So I don't think her question is about leaving him. I think her question is like, how do you manage that if you got married under certain circumstances and then your husband leaves the faith? Isn't there, okay, in the Bible when it talks about the faith of the spouse <laughs> sanctifying the other, does that wait, apply here? Wait, uh, wait, hang on. Before we, before we get to that, no. Uh, you can't get, you can't, you can't, you can't part salvation to someone else but we can talk I think about it's blessing them but, but, the hang on. but we can Go talk ahead. about that but I'm thinking my first thought is about the thing where it's uh, I don't remember exactly but around that area it says like you know continue to basically you know walk out your Christian walk use live a godly life and you know maybe they'll be led like led back to the faith or led to the faith because they see your example before them 
Um, anyways, that would be the bigger part. But now you can talk about your thing. But no, I don't think you can. I don't think it's going to sanctify someone else because you happen to be married. I don't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And just to be clear, Frances loves her husband very much. I don't want any rumors going around about like she's not asking about ending the marriage. Just want to make sure that was clear. Yeah, it's um, it's not an automatic thing. It's it's more of like through your through your actual diligence and walking out your faith, and this person being a witness, and you're pretty much giving testimony to this person to this person with your relationship with God. And that will provide the hope in that relationship that they can actually see the power of God working in your life and working in their life because they are, because the two of you are one flesh. It's, it's like, it's like my perception is thinking of like, um, you had Israel. Oh, well, no, I was thinking about Israel being a blessing. And then it's like those who bless them, then they are also blessed. It's like, it's like, um, Having blessings by association. Well, I, I mean, I also think it's like the the centurion, right? Where it's like, you know, what must I do to be saved? It's like, believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your whole house. And people will try to say, see, that one guy believed, so his whole house was saved. When really, it's like, well, no, that one guy believed. And as a Christian, as like the leader of his house, his family is certainly going to be told about this and, you know, become Christians all on their own. Um, I believe all of those things. Yeah. yeah, what Bertie said too. I'll bless those that bless Israel. But I think I think um one of my thoughts or concerns is this thing where it's like it feels like a lot of people aren't necessarily equipping themselves to speak the the gospel or equipping themselves to speak the um the testimonies in which things happened in their lives in a very um clear way that people can receive it. Um, cause it's like people, the, the narrative that I constantly hear is someone has questions or questions weren't answered. They sit and stew in it for years and they're just unsatisfied. They leave their faith when it's just like people who are reading the Bible, they seek the same answers for themselves and they come to a certain understanding. So it's just like, why does that happen? Where it's like, they can't provide those, those responses that they've come to understand with that other individual. Was I too worried? Or did anyone understand? No, no, that's I don't no, really... it's, it, it's it's funny. That's really interesting because that that almost and I'm glad you didn't go there because for a second it sounded like you were going to go with that uh, that line that the that charlatan Ken Hoven uses, where he says, you know, you're we're looking at the same evidence, we're just coming to different conclusions, which is, of course is nonsense. But um, but uh, it, it is interesting, and and it's this is where it's very individual, right? Because and this is something where Nate and I are in total agreement. Um, what's convincing for one person is not necessarily going to be convincing for somebody else, but we don't have any power over what it is that convinces us. So like, like for me, like very personally, it started with kind of what you started with, right? Having questions, not getting, not, not getting the answers that were really satisfying or convincing for me. That's where it started, but that's not where it finished. So mm -hmm. I, I think it very, I think it is very much like it's completely subjective and it's going to be, I think it's going to be different to some degree to every single person you speak, speak to who, who was, uh, who was in a, in a faith and came away from it. Mm. And as far as the answers, I mean, I mean, I guess you can't say anyone's guilty of doing that here. I mean, that's the entire <laughs> point, right? So like people come and ask questions and, you know, we, we give answers, but you know, giving answers, 
um, is also wildly different than, um, you know, convincing people. Um, it's right. like, you know, we can't convince anyone of anything and, you know, we're not supposed to like our mm-hmm. only mandate from Jesus is to share the gospel and tell them what we believe and why we believe it and how they can have eternal life. Uh, that's it. So that's what we do. So, um, uh, I mean, at least here I feel pretty good. Like, look, people may not like the answers. They may, may not be convinced by the answers, but biblically speaking, we try to be as biblically accurate as we can. These are the answers. When we try to be as biblically accurate as we can, let me just put a warning for the whole stage. We are all independent contractors. Our views do not represent those of our <laughs> Except Michael and the baby-eating he speaks on behalf of all atheists. <laughs> I've just been beating up on stuff today. He's just reading hey, my profile. Let's Go try. ahead and confirm that real fast for us, Michael. Yeah, yeah don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> Oh boy! It is interesting. I will say, um, Birdie, you say if if you're not um, so, uh, you could do voiceovers for a guy who was kind of infamous on social media for quite some time. So if you're not him, using a different name, you could certainly do voiceovers for a guy who used to go by the name of Jay Robin. Um, oh my lord! Because your what? voice is a your voice is a dead ringer for his. You're not I've wrong. Not heard that. That's the funny thing. You're not wrong. <laughs> I've not heard that name before. I haven't seen that guy in forever. Yeah, he's been, yeah, yeah. He, he basically, yeah, he basically went away. He, um, he. Uh, Did he go back to so, Discord? Uh, no, I, he's he has gone from all things uh, social oh. media related to any kind of proselytization. Um, basically, no. Sorry, sorry, Siri's trying to talk to me. Um, no, so basically what happened was he was, I think he was just, I think he just got to a point where he didn't feel good about what he was doing anymore. And a fr- like, um, are you guys familiar with a guy named Jefferson Spatchcock? Yep. Nope. Yeah. Not so, me. So, yeah, so Jefferson's a friend, actually. Like, he's, he's a friend on, online, and he's a, a real-life friend of mine as well. And um, he, uh, Jefferson and I had done several... Of videos, uh, basically deconstructing some of the chats that Jay Robin and I had had together. We we had several long ones. He used to he was a he was a, a ding dong disciple for a while, Nate. Um, ding dong, the the name you know the person who shall not be named. Yeah. Um, so what happened was basically he he reached out to Jefferson and said, Jefferson, basically I'm I'm getting out of this stuff. Would you mind taking down the videos that I'm in? Because frankly, I find the things that I said embarrassing in them. So Jefferson reached out to me because I was in several of those videos and said, hey, just so you know, I'm not taking them down because of anything having to do with you. Jay Robin reached reached out to me and asked me to pull them down. So that's why I'm pulling them down. I'm like, hey, no problem. So yeah, he's he's gone. But also, like I said, apparently when I heard he's reappeared under Ramasis now. Oh, okay. I've 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 not seen nor heard that. Okay, interesting. Neither have I. But Jamesy just put it in the chat, and he runs with the atheists for the for the most part. So oh, I hey, Jamesy, how you doing? So you said the person's name is James Robbins or Jay Robbins. J J Robin and he used so to they, put he used to have his profile picture was the sign from like the 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 um, Red Robin Red, Red Robin restaurants in the US. <laughs> and uh, what's it called? Uh, Jamesy said that he's going under Ramasas and he's on Discord now. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I can't find him. I mean, I was trying to look for stuff and I was just like, oh, just trust us. <laughs> just tr- trust me, bro. Source, trust me, bro. 
<laughs> source, trust me, bro. <laughs> uh, Chris, I sent you an invite. Are you down there? No, we, haven't had anyone, we haven't had anyone riot today or anything uh, because no one's no one has uh, condemned them or publicly humiliated them. So, um... oh, do you want me to work on that, <laughs> Chris? My my perception of you keeps changing with your profile picture. It's like stupid, but like. Like my the way my brain is working, it's just like, oh yeah, he looks like Bender. And now, now to me, you look like um, what's his name? Uh, is it Bigums? No, what's his name? Bacham. Yeah, Bacham's. There you go. There. Yeah. That that's literally Vody Bacham. That's just yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. In person. Yeah, I was at a I was at a church um not too long ago, and I was like, I was try- I wasn't trying to argue with my elders at the church. It was more of just like. They started teaching the prosperity gospel. And I'm like, hey, you ought not be elders then. Um, yeah. And they were like, who are you to talk? And I was just like, I'm not talking on my own accord. And I started reading scripture. And they're like, well, that's just your interpretation. And I was like, well, how else can you interpret this? And they were like, you know what? You sound up. You you sound like Bacham. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's how I learned about him. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well then, yeah. I mean, if they hate Vody Bakum, they hate God. So Steph, what is that? Oh. What is that stuff? This is my dog in my son's pants. Um, Why? How? When? And where? <laughs> I was talking to Francis in the chat about how when we neutered my dog. You cannot be a dog mom and act like a cat mom. <laughs> Listen, when we neutered this dog, he's an idiot, right? And he was just knocking everything over with his cone, including the children. And he was scratched. So we just put pants on him and that solved the problem. Oh, <laughs> so my gosh. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> Laugh that's, then again, that's what we did with Bubby. So That is true. <laughs> the condition of Bubby's matrimony should be he's, he's sterilized. Yeah, it's just, true. The, that was just part I of it. I don't want kids. I do not want kids. Yeah, oh, really? I said that too. That's a terrible idea. Months. So yeah. I have a question. Yeah, no, because every over. single day that yes. I walk out What's in public, question? he gives me an extra excuse to not want kids. Listen, I wanted like 12 kids and then I had one and I was like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> I, I wanted none and my wife wanted five. And after we had the first one, I'm like, all right, the, the dam is broken. Let's just go ahead and have all these things. Get it over at once. And she's like, no, 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 no. So we ended up with two. Uh, someone had someone had a question. I heard a question. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a question that uh, that'll probably get me roasted, but I'm fine with it. Um... So it's only been about five year five years since I ever knew about denominations or anything like that. Um, and now when people usually tell me, like asking me what my denomination is, I usually just tell them I'm either non-denomination or Baptist. Now I've been hearing more and more that people have an issue with Baptist, and I don't know. Like it it it, it wasn't like a it wasn't like from a viewpoint of saying like oh. I've looked at everything that they believe and I actually agree with every single thing, but it's more so just like, Oh, that's the closest thing that I feel like my church is like, like sometimes I'm like, at, I'm, I go to a non-denominational church, but sometimes it just seems Baptist. Um, Baptist so I'm curious to know fine. people's perspectives on the Baptist faith and the, um, the issues they have with them. Yeah, I do not Baptist like them. Is fine. Baptist is safe. Hold on, let me let me rejoin. Someone just called me and it's messing up with the audio. Give me a second. Yeah, the only Baptist I have a problem with is Chris. <laughs> I, I just have a problem with Baptist, period. 
Okay, you said the only what? I said I was just joking around. Baptist is safe. Yeah, the uh, only the only one I have a problem with is uh, is Chris, of course. But yeah, I, mean, I got a problem so, with all of them. But there's so many problems with Chris, right? So it's not just one thing. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about his Baptist view, his dispensationalism, you know, his beard. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things. I was just I just <laughs> meant his, I just meant his Christianity, like that. Uh, just, just, a blanket just because you can't grow. <laughs> But yeah, Baptist, uh, yeah, that's a no-no for me. I don't, be, uh, especially because of my view of the covenant and the sacraments, I feel like mm -hmm. there's a severe injustice being done to the children by not baptizing them as infants. So yeah, that's a big problem for me. Not only yeah, that, so like, most You're most saying Baptists that they ought to be baptized as infants. Yes, absolutely. I'm a Presbyterian. So you should feel so comfortable how, being Baptist now. <laughs> so how does that separate you from a lot of the things the Catholic Church does? Isn't uh, that amazing? Because Presbyterian is because uh, oh, first off, oh, wait, 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 hold up. So for, first off, if we're looking at the Baptists and we look historically in the church, uh, I'm not, one of I'm those not talking about dudes, historical. I'm talking biblical. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know. And most of this comes from a biblical position, especially from a covenantal standpoint and making sure that this, for example, the, mo the most the most famous example that people always use is that uh, circumcision in the Old Testament and baptism in the New Testament. We weren't circumcising people at 18 years old when they made a profession of faith. We were circumcising them as babies. Why? Because it was something that was commanded to do. In the same way that we would be commanded to do that, go out and Yeah, but it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't for the sake of salvation. It was for the sake of... Nobody, but Presbyterians don't believe it's for salvation either. We don't believe that you get baptized to be saved. Or like, if you're not baptized, you're going to hell. That's not what we believe. Depends on the... Depends on the Presbyterian. Right. Okay. No, not really. So, okay. So, okay. Here's my thought. If, if they don't think it's for salvation, then I guess I don't have a problem with it because they're not trying to use it for salvation's sake and they're not teaching it to be salvation. But it's like how toddlers in Tierra is not for a real beauty pageant. Exactly they teach the same as that. What they teach is how it communicates grace, right? That's the main focus on the sacraments because we abhor views that are just memorialism on the sacraments. Like, so it's just are to you remember saying what it, Christ did, etc. That's not what the sacraments are. You, are you saying that it, it helps teach for grace because it's like, hey, we're doing this the wrong way, but God still has... I, I'm kind of confused. Like, There's a lot of other main, means of displaying God's grace other than doing that. No, that's that's not what we mean by communication of grace from there. But it, it's 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 a nuanced topic that's going to take like hours on to explain. Okay. From my point, I mean, rather, I'm, I'm just giving you like the reductive take of it. Right. I'm I'm following you because I mean, like over the weeks or months, I'd like to hear your perspective more fleshed out. Um. Yeah. Again, we can, we can go through it. Like, there's something called the ordinary means of grace, right? And so this is written about all through the reformers, through the reformed scholastics, through you know modern writers. The the ordinary means of grace are things like communion, baptism, preaching of the word, reading yep. of the word on your own. Um, you know all uh, fellowship at church. Um, you know sitting sitting under you know a worship service. These are all or, what we call ordinary means of grace that actually mystically impart grace to us. Um, they're not just things that we do, but there is a mystical component of right. the ordinary. So when, so when like we read verses that say like baptism saves, nobody's going to say baptism doesn't save because within saved, that includes not just 
sanctification. That, that, that doesn't just include regeneration, right? That includes sanctification. That includes justification. That includes everything that's in that package of being saved, right? So while it's one small aspect of it, and that by itself will not guarantee you a passage to the kingdom, we do believe it does have a form of communicating grace in that sense and p- making yourself a part of the visible church. So at least from our Presbyterian stance, to reject children from being in there just because they haven't gotten to a profession of faith, we don't see that as correct because we see that as we're keeping them out of the visible church. We're not being, we're not giving them the means for God to communicate grace to them, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of the time, and I'm not saying that all Baptists do this because I know that there's definitely some strong Baptist positions, right? But there's my father's Presbyterian. There's definitely a lot of Baptists that uh, what's it called? Take more of a almost doctrinal regeneration stance at some point with their profession of faith statement where they're just like, if you can't articulate X, Y, and Z, we're not baptizing you. And then there's other ones where it's like, oh, well, if you confess Christ as Lord and Savior, then absolutely, right? But there are some that take it way too far to an extent where it's like, if you don't have X, Y, Z, A, B, and D, right, or whatever, like, we're not baptizing you. And I find that as a giant problem. Well, okay, but that's not what, that's functionally not what happens in Baptist Church. I don't know what you've heard. But having been part of Baptist churches for a very long time, um, some may even say longer than you've been alive, but I'm not going to say that. All right, um, you were born in the mid-1900s. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you said the mid-1900s. <laughs> Continue, Father Chris. I don't even get the late 1900s. Church Father Chris. Hey, man, take yeah, it easy. I'm, I'm older than Chris is. Take it easy. Yeah, you may, yeah. you may have been born in the early 1900s. We don't know. Yo, that's crazy because... Because people, people, someone said that to me. They were like, "Oh, you're you're from the 1900s." And I'm like, "Yo, you're wild for saying it like that." <laughs> wow, that's wild. So yeah, so um, so what Baptist churches will do is before somebody is baptized, they will do basically a catechism because most people who are coming to Baptist churches and getting saved have never even heard of Christianity for the most part. And so what they're doing is they're broadly giving them a catechism, and they are attempting to ascertain whether that person is truly regenerate or not before baptizing them. And guess who used to also do that? No, the Presbyterians still do that. Yeah, and Presbyterians still do it. So it's not, it's not, you know, it's not unusual. There's no such thing as doctrinal regeneration functionally within the Baptist church. It's just, that's just something that some of No, I said that that's a fringe position that some of the extreme... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in general, that's not what they take. I said that at the beginning of the state. I'm sorry if it seemed the other way around, but no, I'm saying that they're they're in a fringe position, right? But I feel like sometimes, like, when people take it to that logical extent of the fringe position, it becomes an extreme problem in that sense. Sure, of course it can. So, So, yeah, I mean, but... Anyway, go ahead. Well, in short, to answer your question, Bertie, just say Baptist, and the only people that are going to have a problem with that is people who you probably won't consider Christians, or someone like Bobby that's going to say his problem, and then start saying a bunch of really long words. Um, <laughs> so, Baptist is fine. Uh, what's up, as lo- Wait, wait, Baptist is fine, as long as it's not independent fundamentalist Baptist. They can be thrown out of the church, I don't care. Well, what's up, Bold? You know. I'm not throwing Pastor Mark out of the church, so... Anyway, trying to see what no, 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 no. Pastor Mark is fine. I don't even count him as an IFB. I'm talking about people like Tony Hudson. <laughs> but he's IFB royalty, bro. Anyways, I don't care. I'm, I'm talking yeah, about people like Tony Hudson. I'm talking about people like Tony Hudson. He doesn't okay. not need to be on the pulpit anymore. Okay, so what do you guys Bold, think about John McCarthy? Not been, doesn't matter. Bold, what's up, Bold? <laughs> Bold, are you speaking? I just came in. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Okay. Yeah, I'm just here listening about Baptists. That's all. No, you saying. need your intro. You need to do your intro before you start speaking. You know this, Mold. <laughs> intro? What's my intro? I am Thor. Hear me roar. No, I always, like, inside the little audio threads, he always has a little intro he gives before he starts speaking. And I need that intro again on stage, please. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which one, because I got a whole bunch of intros, man. Anyone. So anyone. Just throw, throw, throw in <laughs> intro number three. What up? Uh, how y'all? What it do, cuz? Which one? I got, I got both of them. What it does, cuz? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> no, like, there was one that he did in the audio. There. He, he was just like, uh, good morning, good morning on this beautiful December 11th, 2023. Everybody is like, <laughs> like, he sounded like he was like on an intro for a radio show trying to introduce people to the show. Oh, okay. I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, my, my favorite thing in those audio threads is Kyoto trolling scent where, where Kyoto yep. <laughs> talks like scent and it is just so funny even Pastor Mark was like that may be the funniest thing I've ever heard on yeah it's awesome <laughs> when he starts trying to reply back in scent language so he might understand it <laughs> is Kyoto actually Japanese? <laughs> no, uh, no. He, just, he just likes Japan he's a lot Hispanic, dude. No, he's no. not. Um, no, he is not. Kyoto's not Hispanic. That's Edwin. He's half. He's half Hispanic. No, he's not. 